before we begin, if you haven't heard the good news yet, my new novel, Getting Away With It, is out now. Details are in the show notes. I'm extremely pleased with it, as some generous bonus content for my other podcast, Ragbag. I'm going to be releasing the audiobook version of Getting Away With It in five parts. The whole thing free of charge. Check it out. You can also purchase an actual copy of the book from Amazon. Check out frankburton.co.uk for more information. Ragbag presents I Like the Sound A Celebration of the Sound of Things I Like the Sound I Like the Sound I Like the Sound That's a beautiful sound That's a really beautiful sound A Celebration of the Sound of Things That's a beautiful sound. That's a really beautiful sound. I like the sound of birds. I like the sound of geese, grebes, guillemots, buzzards, blackcaps, blue throats, crossbills, cranes, and cuckoos. Aquatic warblers, great spotted woodpeckers, the lesser spotted woodpecker, the razorbill, the ring-necked parakeet, the rough-legged buzzard, and the pied flycatcher. I like the sound of birds. This week, I'll be joined once again by Susie Buttress from the Casual Birder podcast. We'll be talking about the sound of birds. As a matter of fact, I got the idea for this podcast whilst listening to the sound of birds. It was sometime around April 2020. Lockdown was a new experience. All the regular neighbourhood sounds had virtually disappeared. The sound of the human population, traffic, groups of friends passing by in the street, suddenly all that stuff wasn't there. Consequently, the sound of birds was much, much louder. They'd always been there, but they never quite commanded my attention in this way before. And so I went outside and recorded the sound of the birds. You're listening to that recording right now. It's been playing in the background since the start of the show. You know what? I like the sound of it. Now, let's get stuck in to my conversation with Susie. Actually, I'll tell you one thing that's occurred to me. I never really considered it that much until I, I started paying like really close attention to it. Is that like I'm listening to them, but they're not doing it for my benefit. So it's kind of like you're listening to their conversations and it's not, it's not really sort of anything to do with uh, me. You know what I mean? That's really interesting observation. Yes. 
Well, it's strange, isn't it? Because, um, I, well, I don't, I, it's difficult to know what goes on in a bird's mind, but I, I really don't think that they care whether I'm there or not. You know? No, I mean, probably from a predator <laughs> point of view, they're, they're concerned about you, but if they just accept you into the landscape, of course, the time that you were listening was just at the time when birds are, de- are sort of proclaiming their territories and breeding. So the songs are very loud or very um, specific at that time as well. So they would be most intent on listening for others of their species that might have neighbouring territories, you know, defending their territories. So that's where their focus would be. And attracting mates, of course, and unless you look like one of their mates, potential mate. <laughs> yes, they don't care about you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that, that's fine. Well, it's, it's quite nice that they don't in a way, you know, um, they're kind of doing their own thing. Free as a bird, as they say. But yeah, they become very sort of single minded. And you'll also find that once they have young, they're so intent on trying to find food for their young that they seem to be tamer that time of year. And it's just because they need to work so hard to get food that if there's food nearby and you're nearby, they it's not that they let their guard down, but they are keen on getting food and the easiest way they can get food. So, for example, if you're offering mealworms that time of year, you're more likely to have the opportunity to hand feed, for example, because or at least have one come very close to you, like a robin or whatever, just because they want mealworms. And it's not because they're suddenly friendly. It's an ulterior motive. If it's a quick win to get the food, they'll get it. When we hear birdsong, it can actually have a massive effect on our mood on how we're feeling about things. Um, Hearing chirpy, happy sounding songs make us feel like, you know, especially like today with a blue sky and makes us feel like, yeah, things are actually not as bad in the world as as we might think. Um, And yet, as you say, the bird song is for their own use. And yet we kind of take it and it has a massive effect on us. That's quite interesting. Yes, I hadn't thought of it from that perspective before. So thank you for that. A bird that we're all familiar with in the UK is the robin. Um, and that has a couple of different songs that it sings. So during the spring, it has a much more vibrant, I wouldn't say loud song, but um, it's much more vibrant and energetic. And currently you will hear robins a lot. They're probably the bird you're hearing first thing in the morning. Um, they're singing out during afternoons, but they have a more subdued tone. It's their sort of autumn winter song and it seems a lot more to be kind of like a sub song that you'll see I I recorded one doing it the other day that you'll see their throat moving and and their their, their beaks are opening a little bit and the song is coming out clearly but it's just not as vibrant and as rich as the song you might have had in the spring when they've got their beaks well open and they're really powering out the song Um, so that's that's quite interesting to notice through the year as as those kind of songs change Some of the other songbirds will sing out very um, strongly during the breeding season when they're uh, proclaiming their territories. Things like song thrushes you'll hear uh, a lot in the earlier part of the year. Um, Very rare to hear them at the moment. I I think there's been a few cases of people hearing them, but I've not heard a song thrush for a very long time. Some of that will be due to movement. So some birds move in and, and come to our areas for breeding and then move off for the winter. 
but there are birds that are here all year round that change their song, you know, or, or just don't sing as loudly um, during the later part of the years because the purpose of the song is to keep the territory and to find a mate. And at this time of year, it'll start to ramp up soon because while it feels like we've still got winter to come, the birds will start to, to be thinking about, you know, mating up and, um, and getting ready for the first nests, which can happen quite early in the new year, you know, definitely during February there'll be nests uh, starting up. Um, so, the, you know, the cycle of life continues. Sorry, I've got off track there because I was thinking about my little Robin that I was videoing the other day <laughs> and his territory, which is my garden, clearly. So I have, you know, a small urban garden or suburban garden um, and I've got regular visitors to my my garden. I like to watch the dramas that unfold, you know, the interactions that happen between the birds. I've got regular birds that come back. I've got a, a rook at the moment that's uh, been coming this year and has kind of befriended me. So it comes each day and calls and, and gets fed some suet pellets. And that's just happened. And so I feel extremely honoured that I seem to have been chosen as a, a giver of food. <laughs> There's a red-legged partridge that's in our neighbourhood that's probably escaped from a hunt or somewhere where they're keeping them for, for shooting. And it's been living in our neighbourhood for, uh, well, since about February or March time, I think. Um, and that comes regularly to the garden and it sits on our garage roof and calls out. And so, you know, there's lots of interest in that respect. I've got a family of dunnocks, I think. Well, there's two or three dunnocks that live in our garden. They're currently having little fights with the robin because um, the robin is trying to claim the territory, even though these are different species, but they're very similar in uh, their habitat and their uh, food that they eat. And so the robin keeps chasing the dunnocks off, but they, they're, they're sort of living there. So anyway, there's just, there's lots of, <laughs> it's just a garden and there's not masses going on, but but there is if you stop and look and listen. And uh, what, what sort of things do you do to attract? Do you, do you do anything to attract the birds or do you just allow them to come to you? Um, no, I do put food out. So we have feeders in the garden. I always have fresh water yeah. out for them. We've got a hedgehog that comes as well. So um, at night I've got food out for that. And if it doesn't eat all of the food, then the magpies get it first thing in the morning. So there's, there's that. We are in the process, very slow process of redesigning the garden. And so I'll be making sure that I have, I, I, I consider us to have a fairly wildlife friendly garden, um, but I'll make sure that we have more native plants um, in the garden with ber berries and flowers that will feed the birds and insects. The thing about gardens is they are really like a sort of oasis in the urban landscape for, for birds. And if you have too pristine a garden or a garden that's concreted over without anything of interest in the garden for the birds, A, you're really cutting down the habitat that birds can use. But B, the birds will seek out the gardens that have got the things that they need. So I look around at the gardens nearby and very often my garden is alive with birds, which I'm extremely thankful for. Mm. But then I can look at the gardens either side of me or, or just across the way that I can see. And there's hardly any activity there at all. And I feel like those people are probably thinking that, well, they probably don't even think about birds, but they probably think that 
you know there's no no birds around at all and there are it's just that they're not providing habitat for them they're not providing food they're not providing plants that the birds can use and it just seems such a shame because you know it would be so much richer for the birds if that was around but anyway they're coming to my garden but I would like it if more gardens allowed it I understand that people want things to be neat and tidy but you know that they, they they kind of do it with an, uh, a view to aesthetic rather than what's what's good for our wildlife. I just mm, yeah. want, you know, I I hope that we can put messages out that you know, and I know there's lots and lots of people working with these messages to send them out to the general public just to get them to think more widely about our our wildlife. But it's such a precious element of our environment, and it has such a big impact on us whether we realise it or not in terms of mood health just being able to get out to these spaces and see that animals are living there seeing birds around I mean birds because they fly uh, they can get around but we're not very far from birds wherever we are whether you're noticing them or not and once you do notice them perhaps like you found earlier in the year once you notice them you realize there's a whole rich sort of ecosystem out there happening that you've not really noticed before you've you've know you know I know we all too often have got our heads in our phones and or listening to music and we're not listening to the environment, listening to what's going on out there. And there's so much richness and so much reward health-wise for us. But, you know, obviously we want to make sure these species don't disappear through our mismanagement of the environment. So we do need to be aware of what's going on so that we can make those changes. I'm not a very political person, but I'm moving that way the more I learn because the because before my eyes were shut to it you know I would just see my birds in my garden and that was the extent of where I looked but now I'm becoming much more aware of what we as a country are doing and what we as a world are doing and it's pushing me more into you know being more aware and and trying to do something for the good rather than just keep quiet and and enjoy things on a selfish level without making sure that we've got things for the future. Have you got any particular birds that you really like the sound of? So many, so many for different Mm. reasons. Um, One of my favorite sounds is a blackbird singing and that's because it makes me think of the summers of my youth it makes me think of late afternoons in the summer where the heat is just starting to disappear and the the, the, the blackbirds are singing out and it's just that beautiful fluty melody as as the sort of classical English country garden um, I never lived in an English country garden, but I have memories of sitting out and there being blue skies and warmth in the air and blackbirds singing. And it just, if, whenever I hear a blackbird singing, I think of that. The robin, so I mentioned about this robin that I saw at the weekend that I videoed, and it's the winter song. So it's a little bit subdued and it just kind of seems to come from the throat rather than really being belted out. But that always makes me think of autumn walks and coming into winter when maybe there's the first fogs in the air. And in fact, this week has just been like that. We've had fog a lot. It's been very misty mornings. Sometimes we're lucky and the sun comes out through the fog. But then just to hear that robin singing again, it just evokes memories of of walking in woodland and 
and um, autumnal days. So there's, there's all these sorts of things. Um, some of the more raucous sounds that I love are things like hearing blue jays when I've gone on holiday um, to America. And while they're very raucous social birds, so they're not exactly a bird that you would think, oh, what a beautiful song. But I love seeing blue jays and just hearing them and knowing they're approaching is just like a real excitement for me to know that I'm going to see these flashes of blue and, and see their, their sort of cheeky behaviours. So there's so many, I'm just trying to think, is there, there are so many beautiful songbirds that, um, that we have. I mean, even in our uh, country, so often you sort of think about exotic birds, but goldfinches, um, which are making more of a, a more, making themselves known more in gardens nowadays, they are wonderful songsters. And, you know, getting a few of those sitting on your aerial singing away, they're just beautiful. These used to be caged birds um, in, I think, Victorian times. But, you know, mm. to have them flying free and then to land on your aerial and sing out is just like, you know, a real little gift. And it's a moment that you stop and just listen and take it in rather than taking for advantage. Just trying to think if there's anything. Oh, I'll tell you a, another sound that I've learned recently that I hadn't ever known before. So I mentioned that I've got this rook that's been visiting me. And yeah. I've learned that rooks have a, a kind of chattering vocalization. So you may have heard magpies. They sometimes do this. They'll sit in a tree and they'll, they'll kind of seem to be chattering away to themselves with all sorts of squeaks and rattles and all sorts of strange sounds. And uh, I found out that rooks have quite a repertoire as well. So you might think that rooks are just birds that caw or do a kind of harsh caw. But this one that's been visiting has been sitting up on the roof and making all kinds of amazing vocalizations uh, with rattles and sort of whines. It's a very complex sort of series of notes. I had no idea rooks made. And I was recently um, on holiday, amazingly, and um, we went to the Isle of Wight and we were staying very close to a rookery there. And I heard the rooks there making these noises. So I know it's not just that I've got a strange rook that comes to my garden to make this noise. I know it's actually a noise that they make. I would never in a million years, even though I've seen rooks all through my life, never have known that they make these noises. And it's just amazing. So there you go. There's a variety of sounds that I like.
I had my first experience of hearing nocturnal migration uh, just a couple of weeks ago. I was out feeding the hedgehog and I heard some high-pitched kind of seep noises, which sounded bird-like, but it was nighttime. So why would I hear these bird noises? And then I remembered that um, it was likely migration. So I quickly recorded them and, and then checked out the recording online and they were migrating red wings. And so they were migrating at night, but uh, obviously keeping contact with each other by these very high pitch sort of seep noises that they were calling to each other. And it was a noise that you would just ignore, you know, you just not even notice really, I, unless you were listening for it. And, uh, and then this migration is going on above your head that you don't even know because it's darkness, but they're keeping in touch with each other in these little flocks that are flying over. Of course, you mentioned about communication. It's not, I guess it's thinking about sound. When you get a little flock of birds on the ground, you might hear them kind of doing little contact calls with each other just to keep in touch so that they mm. know everything's okay and that there's no nothing to be concerned about. So in your garden, in an English garden, you might hear dunnocks and they'll be foraging, but they'll just call out little seep noises to each other to, to keep in touch. The other communication thing that I've just thought about as well, which happens a lot, is a bird will give out an alarm call, but other species will react to that alarm call and disperse because they know there's an alarm. So, for example, a blue tit might start alarming or a blackbird might start alarming with a very harsh, uh, repeated chatter. And especially with the blue tit, as soon as that happens in our garden, uh, the birds all scatter because there's a good chance there's a sparrowhawk coming through or there's some there's some threat but it's amazing how, you know, even the rook, which is a big bird, will respond if the blue tit starts alarming. So they've all learned to take advantage of someone else that even isn't even their species raising alarms. So I always find that really fascinating that they're, they are always listening and always watching because they have to. It's about, you know, if they want to survive, that's what they have to do. If you're out and you can hear lots of birds alarming and especially things like uh, jays or um, magpies or crows or rooks it's worth looking to see where the source of that is because you may well find an owl or some other bird of prey sitting in a tree being mobbed by these birds and uh, so hearing a lot of alarms rather than thinking oh god I wish they'd shut up have a look around and see what it is in an urban environment it may just be that there's a cat walking through the neighborhood and the magpies are telling you that there's a cat walking through the neighborhood but um, if you're out somewhere with a few more trees you know keep a lookout because you may see something that you wouldn't normally see like an owl or a bird of prey sitting in the tree it worked out very well for me actually I was in mm. just name dropping I was in New York a couple of years ago and I was walking through Green, uh, Greenwood Cemetery cemeteries are great places to go bird watching there were all of this there's suddenly a this sort of real raucous sound of blue jays and mockingbirds and I, there were four different birds eventually I found it because I the, the bird I saw that they were mob, mobbing something and fortunately the bird they were mobbing came towards me and landed in a tree nearby and it was a red-tailed hawk and there was um, a Baltimore Oriole a blue jay and a mockingbird all trying to attack this this bird flying really close to it but all calling out massively and I can imagine a lot of people just walk past thinking oh noisy birds but there was this massive, great, you know, beautiful red-tailed hawk sitting in the tree being mobbed. And you would have missed that by just walking past and ignoring the noisy birds. So it's worth mm. checking these things out. 
I like the sound of birds. I like the sound of robins, roosters, wrens, magpies, mallards, mandarin ducks, the grey wagtail, the red-legged partridge, the purple sandpiper, the sandwich tern, the waxwing, the yellow hammer, the short-toed tree creeper, the oyster catcher and the mute swan. I Like the Sound was written, presented and produced by myself, Frank Burton. My very special guest was Susie Buttress from the Casual Birder podcast. Some of the recordings of birds that you heard as part of this audio experience were provided courtesy of Susie herself, specifically the magpies and the rooks. Please do investigate the Casual Birder podcast. While you're at it, my other podcast, Ragbag, is extremely good too. Check it out if you like extremely good things. My website is frankburton.co.uk. I currently have three books available to buy the short story collection a history of sarcasm the novel 100 and the first in the ragbag series of novels everything i am the second one will be out very soon the audiobook version is available on bandcap please do share this show around subscribe give us a rating and review we're on twitter and instagram at ragbag presents follow us Let us know what you like the sound of. I will see you soon.